You're listening to audio from Calvary Gravenhurst in Muskoka, Ontario. For more resources or to connect with someone in the church, please visit calvarygravenhurst.com. This week's sermon is taught by lead pastor Benjamin Emery. Good morning, everyone. Somebody came up to me uh, during worship and put his hand on my shoulder and said, This is awesome! (laughs) And I agree, this is pretty awesome. There's just about 200 of us here when I counted, which is good because we had, I think, 180 register for the picnic. But I was like, let's plan for 200, just in case. And so it was good planning. And I just want to thank a few people uh, who have put this together. I want to thank Kathy, Baron, and Carla who went out and got all the food on behalf of the church and went to Costco like four or five times and picked it all up and as the numbers kept growing would go back and back and so we thank them uh, and I want to thank Mark and Alyssa and Christine and Jeanette and Don for setting everything up and, and just so you can't say that men are useless. Uh, we got the ready men, men from uh, from the group to uh, help with the setup. They're doing the barbecuing. They brought the barbecues and they're going to do the tear down. And so, see ladies, if we, we organize our men and we give them a direction, they do great things. So we're thankful for them. So I just hear somebody say, no, they're not. <laughs> Sound like one of the kids. <clears throat> so, yeah, and we got a water slide after. So it's going to be pretty good. But adults, sorry, you're not allowed on. If you brought a Bible, I want you to open it to Matthew chapter 6. If you didn't, reach in the seat in front of you and grab it. Oh, I saw somebody reaching for the seat in front of you. Matthew chapter 6 is where we're going to be today. We're just going to talk for half an hour. Today's sermon is called Pure Motives and Generosity. Matthew chapter 6, verses 1 to 4. Let's read it together. Jesus says, Be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others, to be seen by them. Otherwise, you will have no reward with your Father in heaven. So whenever you give to the poor, don't sound a trumpet before you, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets, to be applauded by people. Truly, I tell you, they have their reward. But when you give to the poor... Don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret, and your Father, who sees in secret, will reward you. Let's pray. God, we thank you for the day. We looked uh, in the weather all week, and it said it was going to start raining this morning, and we went to you in prayer, and you pushed the rain back, and so we thank you for it. We thank you for the cool, gentle breeze that you've uh, sent to keep us from not overheating. We thank you for the generous uh, people, Matthew and Whitney, who have allowed us to use their home and their farm uh, as we have this food and we're going to celebrate together and we're going to get to know each other better and we're going to see kids running around being kids as you design them to be, uh, running around having fun and learning about you. And Lord, we pray for our American 
brothers and sisters, Lord. We thank you that uh, a Western nation has taken a step towards protecting unborn children. And uh, Roe versus Wade was defeated, and it is no longer a constitutional right uh, that you can have an abortion. And Lord, we know that there probably will be churches targeted, maybe this morning. And so we pray for protection uh, from those evil forces that would look to take out their anger on innocent people. We pray you would protect them. We pray for our brothers and sisters all around the world, some of who who walk the entire day to get to a church service. And so we thank you that we join together with them. Open our hearts, help us to see what you're saying here um, as you spoke to your disciples. In Jesus' name, amen. But I want us to imagine, picture again, Jesus uh, sitting on the hilltop uh, with a few dozen of his disciples, his followers gathered around him, uh, the masses, uh, the Jews and the Gentiles, the religious people and the low-life criminals, the men and the women, they're all buzzing around at the bottom of the mount uh, like, like ants swarming around a pile of sugar. They're getting ready. They're excited to hear from this upcoming teacher. They want to hear what he has to say, this Jesus. But... Before Jesus goes down to address them, Jesus has some important things to tell his followers first. And for the first seven or eight minutes of his sermon, which has taken us, I don't know, about ten weeks, uh, which we would call chapter five, he's been talking about what they've heard. Things that they've heard from the religious leaders. He's clarifying, he's correcting some misunderstanding. Six times in chapter five we heard him say, you've heard it said, but I say to you. So let's remember who he's correcting. Who are these people that have been spreading false truth? Not truth at all. Errors. Well, you have to go back to chapter 5, verse 20. Jesus says, For I tell you, unless your righteousness surpasses that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will never get into the kingdom of heaven. Now he's going to transition. He's going to transition from correcting what they've heard to correcting what they've seen. He's going to talk about what some religious people have been doing, and he's going to correct it. But he starts this off with a warning, doesn't he? He cautions. He says, be careful. Be careful. Be careful what you do. As, as a parent uh, warns a child not to touch the hop the top of a stovetop, as a police officer warns people not to walk through dark alleys in cities at night, Jesus is warning us to be careful, he says to his followers. What? what? What are they to be careful of? What do they need to know before they get into their ministry? Well, we see it in verse 1. Be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. Essentially what Jesus is saying is, don't practice doing what is right in front of other people so that they will see you doing what is right. And he goes on in the next uh, dozen or so verses, uh, which we'll cover this week and next week, uh, to tell them what he needs them to be careful in. In three areas. In generosity, be careful you don't do it to be seen. Uh, in prayer, be careful you don't do it to be heard. In fasting, uh, be careful you don't do it to impress other people. See, behind every deed that most human beings do, behind every victory, uh, behind every uh, mode, deed is a motive, 
right? Most people do something uh, with a motive. They accomplish something because they have a motive. When Muhammad Ali wanted to become the world champion, uh, he's, his motive was he wanted to be the greatest of all time. That was his motive that pushed him and drove him to 1964 winning the heavyweight championship of the world. That was it, fame. When uh, George Mueller uh, decided to open the first orphanage in England in 1836, his motive was a desire to rescue the little children from the streets of poverty and the abuses of the workhouses. And so his motive pushed him towards doing what was right. And we see Jesus telling us that he cares more about your motives than he does about necessarily what you say or what you actually do. What's behind why you do what you do? Are you doing it to be seen by others? Well, that's why a lot of Hollywood stars uh, get up in front of the news uh, reporters and, and they speak about an issue, you know, that's important to them. Uh, why do a lot of them do it? Not everyone. A lot of them do it to be seen, to be seen as righteous. Uh, but seldom will you see a Hollywood star get so passionate about something they'll sell all their positions, their fancy mansions in California, and give up their Hollywood jobs in order to go and pursue that and give all their money to that which they say is important. So Jesus, hold on, wind turned my page. So Jesus says, I care more about what your motive is than what you're doing. And so what's his righteousness he's talking about? Well, righteousness simply, if we speak, if we think of it simply, it's the way you treat other people. God says there's a way to treat other people, and it's called righteousness, the way you act towards humanity. Holiness is your the way you act and treat God. And so he's, be, he's saying, be careful as you do what I say is right for the benefit of other people, that it's not just for you. Because that's what he's going to say is the problem. Is sometimes people do things not because it's good, not because God says it's good or because it will benefit humanity, but they do it because there's a payoff to them. And so he says, then he goes on, otherwise you will have no reward with your father in heaven. There was a man, uh, a pastor friend of mine told me they were doing a building project and there was a man who didn't go to the church um, but he came to the building committee and to the pastor and he said I want to donate a large sum of money towards this building project uh, because I'm getting older and I, I don't go to church I'm not a uh, necessarily a religious man but I want to make sure that if I give some of my money I'll get into heaven he had a misunderstanding that if you do things God will be to impress other people, it will somehow impress God. Well, the pastor says, well, I'm sorry. Uh, there's no amount of money you can give that's going to get you into heaven. And we're not going to publish your name like you would like as well. The only thing that's going to get you into heaven is faith in Jesus Christ. Verse 2, then he goes on to say, So whenever you give to the poor, don't sound the trumpet before you, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets, to be applauded by people. So in the Old Testament, there is a term called giving of alms. It's not a term we use anymore. In the New Testament church, we call it love offerings. 
Uh, in the secular world, they call it giving to charity. And so the reason why God tells us to give, not only to him, but to other people, is because he wants to exercise our spirit of generosity. It's like anything. If you don't exercise something, your mind, your body, uh, your spirit, you get weak. You get flabby. You get out of shape. And so uh, people that aren't generous, it's very hard for them to be generous. They're cheap when they're at the restaurants, right? They're, they're cheap when it comes to giving to those who have genuine need. But he's saying God wants us to exercise it. And you'll find that the more you give, the easier it gets and the more joyful you actually become because you realize it's all from God. And so as you give the genuine need, your spirit is exercised. But what is Jesus really talking about? Like, let's be honest, this sounds a bit far-fetched to us, right? Blowing trumpets? Come on, Jesus, what are you talking about? Are you saying that people would actually give money and then go blow a, tr or blow a trumpet as they gave money? Yeah, that's what Jesus is talking about. And I can only imagine, uh, as Jesus is saying this to his followers, some of the disciples squirming around uh, on the ground because they're nervous. Because they know who exactly who Jesus is talking about. The Pharisees and the Sadducees. Who are some of them down that hill. Jesus is again blasting them. Historians tell us that when a Pharisee uh, wanted to give his alms. He would get dressed up in his fancy clothes. And he would go to some place in Jerusalem or, or outside of uh, one of the synagogues, a place that was very accessible so that crippled people, uh, blind people could come, so that large crowds could come. And it was random. And what they would do then is uh, they would come and their lackeys would be carrying uh, uh, their bags of gifts that they were going to give to the poor. And it would just be random. I'll turn off my mic. And they would. Uh, some of the younger ladies that I'm practicing so I can play at their weddings. So I'll be for hire for weddings. Uh, but they would they would probably have one of their lackeys because that's a lot of breath. Holy smokers. I need to run a little bit more. They would, they would blow a trumpet. They had a little silver trumpet that they would carry with them. And so they would blow it. They'd wait a bit of time, right? People would hear there's a trumpet blast in the city. They would know what that means. They would blow it again. Wait a little bit longer, blow it again, and the news would start to spread. Oh, Rabbi so-and-so is going to give away a bunch of stuff. And so people would bring the blind, bring the poor. It would, it would be a few hours of build-up. And then there would be large crowds, not only of those who were poor and destitute, but those who were middle class, uh, which wasn't much, and wealthy. And why would they be there? Because you wouldn't receive if you were wealthy. They're there to watch. They're there to watch the righteousness of the Pharisees. And so when enough people had come, when, when they thought they would get enough attention, they would start to hand out all of their stuff. And so it was kind of like election time in Canada. When election time's getting close, you know it's election time because a whole bunch of free stuff starts to be given away, right? Why? To impress people. And Jesus sees into their hearts. 
He must, because he's saying this again about the Pharisees. Again, he's ramming the Pharisees. He knows the big song and dance. Uh, He knows what it's really about. It's all about the outward, and it's not about the inward. Jesus is saying, you've missed the mark. And so he's addressing genuineness. Genuineness. Because he contrasts it with this word that we know of as hypocrite. It comes from the Greek word, hypocrite. Well, a little bit of rain. It'll pass. No big deal. We're good. People are walking through jungles to get to church. In Sahara deserts to get to church, we can send a little bit of rain. So there is this word, hypocrite, and it means hypocrite. You know what it means in the Greek? It's stage actor. It would, Jesus is referencing people who act for a living. And he's saying, those people, they're like actors. We, we know of the word as hypocrite, as this uh, per- religious person who says one thing but then does another. But what it meant to those people was a stage actor. He says, don't be like the stage actors who just try and impress people. I hope I don't get electrocuted, but whatever. <laughs> At least I'll go out preaching. So he knows, he's saying, it's like, you know those people that you go to the theater and you watch them uh, and they, they pretend to be a robber, they put on a mask, uh, they, they pretend to be something that they're really not. Don't be like them, Jesus says. And so we think of it as this horrible term, but to them, he's essentially saying, those religious people are just a bunch of actors. They just want the applause. They just want people to stare at them. And Jesus is going to hammer them three times throughout this chapter. Three times he's going to say in verse, here he says it. And then in verse 5 he says, whenever you pray, you must be like the hypocrites. Then in verse 16 he says, whenever you fast, don't be gloomy like the hypocrites. It's a good thing I didn't have a shower this morning. so. So what Jesus is giving them is a one, two, three punch. He's giving them a combination. This is kind of cool. There's a guy in our church. His name's Greg. He's a great guy. um, And we get together every couple weeks. And I teach him the Bible. And he teaches me boxing. And uh, what he's teaching me as we spar is that a combination is much more effective than a single or or a double punch. Combinations will break down the defenses. And so essentially, uh, Greg can see three moves ahead of me. And so I'll be be thinking in my mind what I'm going to do. And he already knows what I'm going to do by my body. And so he'll hammer me just to keep me in place. Uh, And essentially, Jesus is giving a one, two, three combination to these Pharisees, letting them know that I am not impressed by what you do and say. Then he goes on to say, truly, I tell you, they have no reward. They don't really want to help people. They don't really want to do what I say because it's good and it's right. They do it simply to be seen. And there's an old, uh, there's an old thing that they used to do in the 20th century when they had a building expansion. A lot of the times they would, uh, they would say, if you donate this much, you'll get a plaque. A plaque on the side of the church, a plaque on, on this wing saying, so much and so has donated this much uh, towards uh, the expansion of the church. Uh, 
And, and so what's the encouragement? That if you give a certain amount, your name will be on a plaque and forever people will walk by and say, oh, look at so-and-so. They must have given a hundred grand towards a building project. Aren't they wonderful? And they go up to Bob and, and Jezebel and, and say, uh, Bob and Jezebel, I, I'm just so impressed that you gave this much money uh, towards a building project. Wow, you're just such a great person. Uh, and, and Jesus is saying, why are you doing that? He says, truly, you have no reward, right? And, and why would you want the accolades of, of people when you're missing out on the rewards that God wants to give you? It's not going to say that not, people aren't going to see what you do and, and thank you for it. And they're not going to say, thanks so much. I saw what you did. But that shouldn't be our motive. Our motive should be we want to do this for the glory of God and for the benefit of other people people see it's passing lord we pray that you would make this rain pass by and you know it's tempting for me as a preacher to sometimes want to preach so that i'll hear good job well done that was impressed i have to fight against that and sometimes pastors can become puffed up right because they see people coming and and they get all these accolades and they get in magazines and this many people watch their sermons online and they get prideful. And that can often lead to the downfall of a person, right? Sometimes we can get that way in anything. We can do a job or we can serve in a ministry specifically so that people will see us. But God says, do it so that I will see it. Do it in a way that doesn't draw attention. Do it in a way that people say, wow, and they thank God for you. And there was this group of people in the book of Amos, the nation of Israel, uh, and that's, he's one of the minor prophets. And Amos uh, was sent by God to address a problem. The country was in moral decline, and people were living totally immoral, and yet they were pretending to play the religious game. And so God sends a prophet because they're about to be taken over uh, and conquered by another nation. And he's warning them and he's warning them. In Amos chapter 4, starting at verse 4, he calls them out on their stuff. He says, you go to Bethel and then you transgress my law. You rebel in Gilgal, but then you bring your sacrifices each morning. Your tithes every three days. Uh, you offer leavened bread as a thanks offering and loudly proclaim your free will offerings. For that is what the children of Israel love to do. Well, I don't, I don't need the rain, but thanks. I, I mean, I don't need the umbrella, but thank you. I appreciate that. So then he goes on to say in the rest of that chapter, verse 6 on, he goes on to say, what I really want is for you to return to me. He says it like five or six different times. If you read down Amos chapter 4, you do all these things, but what I really want is your hearts to come back to me. And then if we turn to Acts chapter 10, peel my pages apart we read about a guy who did something totally opposite we read about a guy named Cornelius and Cornelius had a heart that was the opposite of the Pharisees and the scribes he wasn't even a Jew and yet Acts chapter 10 
verses 1 to 4 tells us this. There was a man in Caesarea named Cornelius, a centurion of what is called the Italian regiment. He was a guy that was in charge of 100 Roman soldiers. He lived in Israel in, in a place called Caesarea. He was a devoted man and feared God along with his whole household. He did many charitable deeds for the Jewish people and always prayed to God. So you see that? He prays even though he's not a Jew. He does good things. Why? Because he wants to help people. He wants to know God even though he doesn't even know God. He's not even a Christian. But he's praying that the real God would be glorified. And so it says verse 3, about 3 in the afternoon, he distinctly saw a vision of an angel of God who came to him and said, Cornelius, staring at him in awe, he said, what is it, Lord? The angel told him, Your prayers and your acts of charity have ascended as a memorial offering before God. Do you see the difference? Jesus says, Pharisees, they just do it. Charitable things to get people to stare at them. I'm not impressed. It's a bunch of garbage. I want nothing to do with it. This guy, who is a Gentile, who's uh, we the Jews would say is far from God has drawn God's attention so much so that his good deeds they're like a memorial before the eyes of God that's what God is calling us to that's the kind of giving and generosity that impresses God one stuff that is done not to draw the attention of humans but to draw the attention of God so what is Jesus then going on to say in verses 3 and 4 one we'll close it up but when you give to the poor, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be done in secret. And your Father, who sees you in secret, will reward you. You can't actually, as you know, not have one hand knowing what the other hand is doing. But he's just emphasizing his point. Do it in such a way that it's so secret. You go up to somebody that you hear is having a hard time. They just got laid off. And you go up to them just quietly and, and you just put an envelope of, of cash in their mailbox. Or, or you go up to somebody, uh, to the pastor, and you, and you say, Hey, I heard so-and-so is pretty down. Can you give this to them? I don't want them to know who it is. Just tell them to glorify God. It's done in such a way... That it's almost secret. Almost as if your right hand and your left hand didn't know what they were doing. Why does he say this? And your father in heaven who sees you will reward you. Who sees what's done in secret will reward you. And he reminds us what we all need to remind, be reminded in this weird day that we live. In this day where it's getting less and less popular to be a Christian. Where, where people are more willing to use violence even against us. He's reminding us. That heaven is much better than anything we can find on earth. Right? The company in heaven is going to be way better. I remember I was with this, this lady who was, she was dying in the hospital. And she grabbed my hand, swear dear lady. And she said, uh, Pastor, I hope you don't mind. But I can't wait till I don't see you anymore. Because I want to see the face of Jesus. And I don't blame her. The company in heaven will be so much better than the company on earth. The, the scenery will be way better in heaven. As beautiful as this is, right? Heaven will be a thousand times, a hundred thousand times, a million times more beautiful than anything on this 
earth. The leadership will be so much better, right? As much as we as, as the church leadership try, we fail. But in heaven, there's one leader, Jesus Christ, and he doesn't fail. And it's going to be awesome and perfect. And the last thing is, yes, the rewards of heaven are far greater than the rewards of earth. The praises of Jesus Christ will far exceed the praises of even the prime minister or the president. That's what he's telling us. That's what he's reminding us. He's reminding us to be a people who do things for the glory of God and for the betterment of other people. And so my challenge to you this week, as we go away and as we enjoy the food um, that has been paid for by the generosity of the church family giving back to God as you go ask yourself ask God am I a generous person like in the whole scheme of things if I look at the way that most of the world lives and I look at what you've given me God am I a generous pe person uh, towards God but also what Jesus is talking about towards people in genuine need do you help those who are in genuine need and if you aren't if you can look at your finances and say well most of what I spend is on me me, myself, and I, and my family. Then I ask you, how can you not be a generous person if you follow a generous God? If you are a, a, a person who follows Jesus Christ, who is an extremely generous God, how can you not be a generous person? And if you are a generous person, I want you to look at and, and examine and ask God, why do I do what I do? Do I do it so that other people will know and hear and see? Or do I do it so that God will get the glory and so that people will be helped. I'm going I'm to close in prayer and then I'm going to invite Gary Bruce to come up and lead us in communion. And then Alyssa is going to give us our next instructions. Lord, thank you that even though you, you allowed a little rain to come, it's just a sign that you're bestowing blessing on us, that we have rain. We think of the droughts in California and the worst drought in 1,200 years the scientists say and you've given us rain you're a good and awesome generous and wonderful God and so Lord as we uh, examine what kind of people are we I want you to show us Lord I pray you would show me and you'd show each person here are we a people who see the needs of people in genuine need and meet those needs are we like you and God are we a people who just do things only when other people will see Thank you, God, that you provide for us, that we know even if the economy tanks and the world goes through hardship, you will provide for us, as you're going to go on to say later in this chapter. We thank you for your goodness. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to this week's sermon audio. For more resources or to connect with us, visit calvarygravenhurst.com.